0: You know, other people are going to listen to this. Right? Not this
1: part. I mean, just well, lions. lions will listen to it. Lions is listening right now. Creepily.
0: No. Hi,
1: lions. Hi, no. lions.
0: He's doing. Oh, well, I guess in the future. The...
2: dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning
0: glazer george
1: how you doing buddy (laughs) i'm good that's good. That's good. I, I am very excited for us to start our new podcast. the The podcast called Nostalgia Goggles, Absent Lions, because we're feuding because he refused to acknowledge the fact that Ocarina of Time was a great game. I think that's the full working title. I don't know. You'll prune that. You'll prune that down, right?
0: Wait, is that why I'm? Is that why I'm here? Shh, shh, shh,
1: shh, shh. Don't, 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 don't ruin this. Don't ruin this. Don't ruin this. Mm-hmm. You, know, I also got my
0: Ocarina of Time.
1: All right, let's move past it. Anyways, so <laughs> okay, so um, we we instead of playing a video game, we watched the movie. Woo! That movie was Superman: The Movie, not not Superman Four: Quest for Peace, not Superman: The Return of Superman, not for the love of God, Man of Steel. No, no, no. no this was Superman. I want to say the OG, you know, there were Superman movies before it, but really, realistically, this was the Superman movie. Like, when you think of Superman movies, this is probably the movie you think of.
0: Yeah, there were a couple of Superman movies um, in the 1950s and one in the 1940s, but this was the Superman movie that spawned a generation of superhero movies.
1: Yes. Yes, because, because it had Christopher Reeves playing Superman, and he will always be my hero. You know? I,
0: I mean, I, I, do, I do have to say, I never liked Superman as a character. I never understood him, and I never understood how he could have a secret identity where it's just putting on glasses until I watched this movie as a kid. Like, yes. seeing his performance of it made me understand and believe in Clark Kent, Superman.
1: Clark Kent, the Superman. No, Kent. And actually, um, so that actually leads nicely into your nostalgia experience for this movie. When, when did you first see it?
0: Honestly, I don't remember exactly when. I know I saw it when I was a kid, um, but I couldn't give an exact year. I mean, this movie predates both of us by a lot. So it oh, could yes. have come in by any point uh, at any point in my childhood. Um, but I'm pretty sure my dad rented it. Because that feels right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because my dad was the one who we would just go to Blockbuster and like just work our way down. And anything that we hadn't seen that looked interesting in the action movie or horror or new release shelf, we would just sort of grab. So at some point this came up and I probably was not old enough to understand or appreciate it. But I sat down and watched it and it was awesome.
1: Exactly, no, it's good, it's good, yeah actually interestingly, so this is one that my father owned, and um so cute cute side story, uh my grandmother um like so I she there, I had a Superman not like onesie but outfit, you know when I was seven, like <laughs> superman pajamas, one. right yeah, but so I had Superman pajamas okay who 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 doesn't right I mean, Chuck Norris wears Superman pajamas so. Um, so that's all true, but my uh grandmother sewed buttons onto the neck and buttons onto a Superman cape, so that way I could snap a Superman cape onto my p j s and uh, my dad and I would watch Superman the movie and Superman Two, you know the two good ones, just until the cows came home and pause it regularly for me to run about the house like a madman being Superman.
0: Oh, that's and, uh, incredible.
1: And 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 yeah, man. I mean, it's just you know there was just so. And to be fair, there was a lot about this movie that I did not get or understand back in the day. But I don't know, man. It just it 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 really canonized for me the idea of you know a hero, and uh, and that was super important to me. So um, I may have a little bit of difficulty being objective with games like <laughs> this and Ocarina of Time, you monster. But the important thing is that uh? Is yeah. So that, that, that's kind of my nostalgic experience, but I was really interested to sit down with you and, and honestly, cause I did try to put all of that stuff aside and really evaluate it as a movie. And I was honestly a little scared to do so because I was really worried that it wasn't going to hold up. And, uh, I mean, cause to be fair so far with the movies we've done, you know, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat two and with two varying degrees of success. I was like, maybe, maybe this isn't so good. So, uh, <laughs> So, not to bury the lead, let's uh let's dive in. Visuals. Yeah. This movie had them.
0: This well, most movies do. I can't think of a movie that doesn't. By definition.
1: That's legit. That's legit. It Seems to be a core piece of the media. It's like saying a book without words. But yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. But yes, visuals. I. I have notes about that.
1: <laughs> Go on. No. No. Pray tell, please. Like. So, don't...
0: Okay. So the. The big thing that I noticed, which I thought was really interesting, and I think I said this while we were watching it, is the way they did the visuals, I felt like we watched four different movies in one. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. there's the first section where they're on Krypton, which is aesthetically completely separate from Clark's childhood in Smallville, Mm -hmm. which is aesthetically completely separate from Clark Kent, man about town in metropolis which is completely separate from the adventures of superman that come at the very end like it really does feel and i think mostly through visuals although we can talk about audio and stuff when we get there um very very distinct in the way that it's shot in the colors the costuming like every aspect of it feels very very different which is interesting
1: no, I I agree completely, and and actually I did not recognize it until you pointed it out to me. But um, but yeah, because like on Krypton, like the visuals are very stark and sterile and white. And then when you get to Kansas, um, they have a lot of wide pinning shots, which I do want to put a pin in and come back to later. And then like when they're in Metropolis, you know, it's very clustered and congested. But then when Superman is is at the very end like being superman um especially like when he you know when the climax happens and he's you know deciding to use all of his power to basically make the world into the world he believes it should be they all kind of come together you know Mm -hmm. all of those different visuals do and uh and i think that that was you know purely intentional
0: um oh for sure for sure so
1: so, like one of the things that um, you noted that I thought was very interesting, which is that, uh, and I never really thought about this in, in movie making until you mentioned it. And I was like, and I'm going to scroll this away and remember it for later, which is um, they, in Kansas, particularly when Superman is, you know, a teenager, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They use a lot of wide panning shots, right?
0: I, I do remember
1: saying this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. You. You. You said this. This was you. Um. And 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 I thought that was very interesting because the idea is that Superman is, for all intents and purposes, a god. Right. He's very powerful, but they constantly juxtapose him from being small in the world that he's in, not only narratively but visually as well. Which I didn't really pick up on until you said it, and I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Superman does seem a lot bigger when he's Superman. And he seems bigger not because of just because of the things he's doing, because of the shots that are taking, right?
0: Well, and they use it in really smart, like, instances. So, like you're saying with Clark Kent in Kansas growing up just as good old Clark Kent, who's hiding his powers, it's, you know, you mostly get the standard, like, Hollywood waist up, shoulders up shots of people as they talk and interact with one another. But, the first time I noticed that is when Pa Kent dies, which we'll talk oh. about more later, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Because he drops and mm-hmm. you see Clark run to him. But from basically from the moment we know that he is gone, like mm-hmm. he has passed into the, the next realm, whatsoever that may be, all we see is from a distance. Yep. We see Clark run out of the barn. And I don't even think we get much audio at that one either. It's just this very big wide shot of him and Ma Kent running to see what happens. That makes them mm-hmm. feel like he's at like very small in the landscape. And later when he goes to, when Ma Kent goes to talk to him while he's standing in the field, similarly, it's this wide shot of him out in the field. And it comes back again later, most notably when Lois dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Slash doesn't really die but at first you think she's Cute actually spoilers i well i mean
1: for this 40 year old
0: literally exactly 40 year old um where when he like finally gets her out of the car and is holding her it cuts back out to that wide shot
1: it does yeah and that, and that's i think is very interesting is because like you said is that uh you know um after it does all the the wide shot stuff, you know from the initial thing, we always see Superman close up eh, relatively you know being Superman, but then again, it like reminds you visually, like, hey, don't forget like he's still small, mm-hmm. and he's and that's one of the interesting things that I think that they drive on visually is that he's still small, even though literally he just pulled the earth back together, like <laughs> that is a thing. That he did, and it's Tuesday. You know, like, that's just, that's a Tuesday for him.
0: Well, they do a a really good job of making Superman not feel like a god, which yes. I really appreciate it. Because, like you said, one of the problems with Superman, and you know more because you are, you are the true Superman fan here. Um, which, by the way, I'm really disappointed you're not wearing your Superman shirt.
1: I know, but I'm wearing the shirt you got me, which I thought you'd appreciate.
0: Aww. I do appreciate that, but it's, it's the wrong Messiah figure from pop culture.
1: <laughs> it is true. Yeah, for those of, of uh, uh, listening who can't see, I am wearing my Goku shirt, you know, <laughs> which either Superman wants to be Goku or Goku wants to be Superman, one or the other. But anyways, we're talking about gods. Go on.
0: So Superman has this problem and has sort of historically always had this problem of being a little overpowered, a little, a little bit, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Um, but the movie does a good job of making him still feel human and identifiable. Like this is a man who can lift uh I don't know, pretty much whatever he wants. He can lift a seven forty seven with his bare hands. No big deal.
1: If if I remember correctly, at one point in the comic, uh some of Superman's feats of strength is a moving the planet Earth out of orbit (laughs) holding a black hole in his hand and with help, to be fair, like he and one other person of known strength lifted a book with infinity pages. To be fair, the other person's super strong, so they were probably list- lifting a hundred tons, and Superman was lifting the rest. Which, for those of us at home, is infinite pages. That's him. It's he's infinitely strong. Like, but to be fair, I think that that Superman can be summed up in a Simpsons quote, which is. Um, so so Marge and Homer are walking around fairgrounds and Marge says, see Marge, I told you they could deep fry my shirt. And Marge says, I didn't say they couldn't. I said you shouldn't.
0: Okay. I, I'm aware of this quote. (laughs) What does it have to do with Superman?
1: It's because it's not whether or not Superman can, it's whether or not Superman should. That's. Superman, that's that's the part that everybody... And we'll get more into this in, like, plot, but I think that they're driving it home visually, which is is that, you know, like, it's like... It's not whether or not, like you said, like, he's basically a god, but they drive home the fact that, you know, it's like, yes, he is. He can do anything. But the difference is that he cares, and therefore is subject to, you know, dealing with all of that. So it's not whether or not he can, it's whether or not he should, and therefore will. But... Bearing the lead. More on visuals. Um, so to, to bring it back a little bit, one of the things I, I completely forgot until we started watching it is the actual opening. Mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. in on in in all honesty, I gotta say, and I love this movie, the opening was a little clunky. Like
0: Well, the opening is just an exposition though. It's it's the backstory of where Clark is from and what is up with planet Krypton and who are his parents and why is he on earth in the first place? And it is, is very clunky and it almost feels like, I don't know if they did this in the 70s as much as they do now, where you're setting up cocaine. a sequel.
1: Was it cocaine? Did I get the cocaine reference?
0: Congratulations. <laughs> anyway, ignoring you know. Um. <laughs> So it, it felt like that sequence was mostly in there to set up a sequel because one of the big things that happens is you see Zod and his companions get sent to the Phantom Zone.
1: So so real fast, I'm not actually even talking about that opening. That opening was all
0: <laughs> Oh, the
1: yeah, no, opening opening. The opening opening. The op the pre opening. The the
0: See, there's so many different levels to this movie that feel yeah. like different movies that I forgot about that. But you're right, there is something that happens.
1: Right. So basically, so the weird thing is that it opens via a stage, right? Like it opens like 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 you're watching a play to a comic book being read. And then it eventually goes into the Daily Planet the Daily Planet symbol, which is then immediately bypassed into the opening credits, right? Mm-hmm. So, so like I said, like, like that, all of that was clunky, right? Because that is what we call in the business, two separate framing devices, right? right? So now we, the audience are watching a play of a child reading a comic book of the events that are transpiring. And I would maybe forgive it if it wasn't for the fact that it never comes up again, ever again, the entire movie. So, why were any of those framing devices necessary?
0: They literally could have
1: just opened with. Hmm. Like, they could just opened with the. Like, I mean, okay, who wasn't there for John Williams music? We'll get there. But Mm -hmm. they could have just opened with the opening credits, and we just would have been just 100% an Eskimo. We would have been super into it. But instead, like, they opened with the dual framing device. And we just all have to live with that.
0: Okay. I have a theory about this.
1: I have a theory. It could be bunnies. Go on.
0: <laughs> okay. So I didn't do any research to see if this is true or not because you guys don't good. do research and I didn't want to set No, precedent.
1: good, Good. No. If you did research like you do on your channel, by the way, Erin um, Glazer has her own channel. It is Movie Medicine. Check it out. It is amazing. She does a lot of research and it's super informative, uh, but... But because she's a true champion, she did none of that for this show, so go on.
0: Right. I Google I looked up the Wikipedia article list of Superman movies, and that was the extent of the research I did with this. <laughs> which felt
1: And that's long. almost too much.
0: For you guys, yes.
1: Yep. <laughs> Wait, for who? For us, right? There is no there's no other. Only I Zool. Go no, on.
0: I can't okay. I, I can't ignore that secret
1: book on your bad. Just let this happen.
0: I didn't, just for the record, I didn't agree. I didn't agree to this. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay. I have a theory about the framing device. So, Go on. what I liked about that is it reminded me of watching Disney princess cartoons as a kid. Because I don't know if you mm. remember this, but a lot mm. of the old Disney movies started with like a physical book opening. And a narrator Mm -hmm. talking through the events of what's going to happen in the books. So I'm Mm -hmm. trying to remember which ones it actually was. I think it was Snow White. Mm -hmm. I think it was Sleeping Beauty. I think it was Cinderella. And I want to say the Peter, not Peter Pan, oh my gosh, Robin Hood, they do that too. But a lot of the old school Disney movies start with that, with the book opening and the narrator reading it out. Because back then kids cartoon movies weren't a thing like snow white was the first feature length animated film and nobody thought it was actually going to work everyone was like no nobody's gonna watch that kids don't watch movies like that's too much bring it back yeah i wonder people kids aren't kids don't have the attention span for movies (laughs) what do you think this is 2018 with your youtubes and your said my
1: child who literally badgers me about watching videos on the youtubes on the phone Oh, Teddy. Um, Teddy, Teddy is go on.
0: <laughs> but anyway, so I wonder if this is something that they pulled from for this movie. Because to be fair, I don't actually know. If I didn't do research. You're welcome. But I think this was one of the first superhero movies that really got big, like in a general pop culture sort of way.
1: Yes. I, I would agree with that because I did I also did a little bit of legwork. Shh, don't tell no one. Doesn't matter. They, they're not here. Um but uh but no, I, I did a little bit of legwork and uh yeah, no, I think that because no, no, we, we we looked it up together where neither of us could find a truly like iconic superhero movie before this. We found some really deeply disturbing stuff in the looking up of those superhero movies, but we didn't find anything like truly iconic before this one we found mm-hmm. a couple of like haphazard supermans a couple of haphazard Batmans, some deeply disturbing other things but but like this was really the one that set the tone the next one that would like the next superhero movie that would really you know break the blockbusters was uh tim tim um
0: tim burton what'd you say tim burton
1: yeah tim, tim burton's batman yeah
0: Okay. don't hurt yourself
1: I thought you said Tim Horton. I'm like, do they make donuts? <laughs> Weirdo.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let's get in those references for your Canadian listeners.
1: <laughs> Canadian, and yes. So anyways. Um,
0: but anyway, so I think that's one of the reasons they use that device in this movie. Because comic books, historically, have been for kids. So making comic book movies back then, I imagine, was still a gamble.
1: Sure. And it was something
0: that was mostly, like, for children. So why not yep. use a device that, that has been used successfully for other kids' movies to open this one
1: up? Love it. Love everything about it. But then also the theater framing device. That, I don't, that I don't
0: know, and I don't understand, and I don't so, want to think about it.
1: So. so, no, 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 no. Okay. I'm going to double down on your <laughs> thing. So the, the okay. comic book thing, it's like, it's all for kids, right? It's all for kids. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love everything about it. So, so I'm just trying to think of superheroes who were canonized by their vi- by their visit to the theater. Hmm. hmm. Well, I know Bruce Wayne went to the theater with his parents. Does so that are we? Are you trying to make this dark? Yes, I'm trying to make this the Dark Knight. No, I'm just saying that are we all Batman like watching the opening to be like, yeah, yeah, no, I want to wear spandex and fight crime and be a superhero and oh god, my parents died. Okay. Anyways, it's okay, fine. okay.
0: I just want to make it very clear what you're implying It's that the movie that Bruce Wayne was watching with his parents
1: uh-huh.
0: the night his parents got uh-huh. murdered was uh-huh. Superman. Uh-huh. The movie uh-huh. in 1978.
1: And why why else would he be so focused on killing Superman and suddenly aghast by the fact that they share the name of Martha. Anyways, I'm sorry, we're going on. So, um, uh, in, uh, so one other thing that I just wanted to mention that I think is, uh, we, we, we've mentioned it or I've mentioned it because, um, I'm the only person that has hosted this podcast until now. Um, so, uh, but, but mentioned the fact that it, it's really, really good when, um, you have a mechanical thing shift tone um a a good exemplar of this outside of this movie would be um the new uh, star wars episode six i think where basically a sun is being extinguished in order to power the cannon that blows up the world i don't care but the point being is that as the story goes on everything gets darker and darker and darker so as the tone of the movie gets darker the visuals get darker, and that's supported by the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Superman does a similar thing, which is that uh, in the very beginning, with the end of Krypton, right? Krypton's red sun is doing things. I don't know. They don't. They're not really super clear. Krypton's sun is doing in, stuff that
0: floating. Is that what they say? I feel like this movie did not get its uh, its canon properly figured out before they started filming because. I feel like they say yeah, a couple no, of different about things cannons
1: there. Because Superman's chest deflected the cannons. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. But anyways, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's it's a, okay. So to be fair, to be fair for this movie, it's a little sloppy by our standards because they didn't expect power nerds like us to be dissecting <laughs> it. 40 years later, like, we're going to do a movie. It's going to go into theaters. It's going to be fun. But anyways, uh, no, but one of the things that they did was they, they had all the sterile white um, visuals of Krypton. And then when Krypton started to end, it was because their red star was exploding. So therefore, they red shifted everything. So because of that, it created this interesting tonal shift because all of a sudden everything's saturated in red which makes sense because their red sun is exploding but it also very distinctly sets the tone Mm -hmm. and again it's it's that in conjunction with like what you said with their the the wide shots and the visuals to me um again somebody who has watched this movie a million times ever since i was a child Drove home the fact that it's not just something that I loved as a child, but something that, like, real, really people put thought into, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they really thought about it, you know?
0: Yeah. No, the way that they use color throughout the whole movie is really beautifully done, um, especially with Superman. Because, like you said, with Krypton, it's all black and white. It's all... Very monotone. Everything is very, not boring visually, but, like, they have this aesthetic. And this aesthetic has no colors in it. Just that's the way it is. Except for that one random green crystal that I still don't understand, but whatever. It existed. And, like you said, at the end of that sequence, the red sun blowing up, the only other thing that has any color in it is baby Superman's. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever he's wrapped, baby blanket, whatever he's wrapped up in, which is and, blue and red and yellow, which are Superman's colors.
1: And one other thing that we have to touch on, which was your observation, which is okay, so this is back in the 70s, way pre CGI, right? Mm-hmm. But they did a number of very interesting, smart things that scaled the visuals because obviously they had to use models, right? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have CGI. And they also didn't have whole planets to de- to to devote to this movie. But one of the things they did was um, the <laughs> like Krypton- Marvel does nowadays. What?
0: Like Marvel does nowadays.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so um, so like you know, Krypton's prison system opens up. It's like a big big dome, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But but um, it opens up when the Zod. Who are the other two? Lurser and Bator. That's not right. Mm. It's Zod.
0: <laughs> they did not make enough of an impression
1: that I wrote
0: That's that fine. I realized they had names
1: Larissa is definitely from Star Trek. But anyways, Zod and his cronies <laughs> are all standing there, but they did a shot specifically that um, showed them against the background and then just showed the background, but they did a very good job taking the bridging the gap between models and reality, which I thought was, is actually kind of lost. Nowadays, on a lot of movies, considering the amount of CGI.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of practical effects in movies just because it, your brain, even when the CGI is as good as it is now, like modern CGI is amazing, but you, there's a part of the human brain that can just tell when something's off. Like it doesn't have the same weight and substance to it that you get with physical, prostheses or models or something that's like that exists in the world
1: i mean literally all day every day we spend looking at other people's faces and it's super important for our survival that we interpret all of it correctly so the minute that something's off our brain says hold up and we're like oh shit oh no wait do we need to do something do we need to fight do we need to flight do we need to make Love. I don't know. Like, you know, so like the minute that all of that's off, our brain like lights up like a firecracker saying, hey, something's weird. And then we're like, oh, right, because it's all it's all it's all not real. But all of that takes you out of the moment. Practical practical effects tend to subvert that because our brain kind of says, no, all of that's all of this is real. And then the higher cognitive functions say, you know, it's not. But you kind of dismiss it unless it's like you know fourth wall shattering. But yeah, specifically um, the 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 way that they handled the prisoner exchange, the Phantom Zone. Are we gonna call it that? Let's call it that. The, um, the way they handled exchange? that, I thought, did they, as you said, you pointed out to me, did a great job scaling this. You know,
0: right? Well, they. I mean. So they have, for folks who haven't seen the movie or don't remember the scene we're talking about, because to be honest, I forgot this entire opening sequence on Krypton happened at all.
1: To be Um, fair, you were pretty drunk.
0: To be fair, I was pretty drunk when we watched it this most recent time. But when I watched it before as a kid, I'm pretty sure I was sober. I don't know. Not
1: not certain, though. Just pretty.
0: Pretty positive. Pretty strongly (laughs) positive.
1: Yeah. No, no. No, just pretty sure. That's fine.
0: Uh but anyway so they put the three of them in their hilarious hula hoop jail technology where uh-huh. you can't step outside of that hula hoop that's rotating around you mm-hmm. which shows that you're in jail.
1: I don't like like your tone with the hula hoop technology.
0: It was okay. I know the 70s <laughs> were a different time and to be fair I know you were very distracted by the ultra-low V-cut of Zod's, like, prison jumper. Plunging
1: V is thrown around (laughs) all too much these days.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, we pan away from that. And you see the whole top of this dome structure that they're in open up. And it's, like, this sudden faraway shot. Where you see the dome open and you can just see these little tiny, like, ant-sized figures in the middle of the hall where the magical hula hoop jail technology is. And that's when you realize just how enormous Krypton is. As a planet, as a world, as, as an infrastructure, period. Like, this dome is football stadium big. And we would have never gotten that sense of scope and scale. Unless we had gotten that wide shot of it, because it also gives us a really good grasp of how advanced Krypton is. Cause let's be honest, hula hoop technology is not that impressive. I don't know. Maybe the seventies were a different time and everyone was like, ooh, they got that hula hoop technology though. That's awesome. Dim dim,
1: dim, dim, dim hula hoops.
0: Dim hula hoops. With a Z. But it's to see that level of infrastructure is, is a really good shorthand for being like, Hey, Krypton's really cool. We've got a lot of science and technology and stuff. You should, oh yeah, like if this society can't figure this stuff out that's going on right now, the Earth would be totally screwed.
1: So, long story short, the moral of the story is the visuals have a couple of odd gaps, but long story short, they 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 they, they do some interesting and very fascinating things. That were definitely were not industry driving. The industry had dealt with it before them, but this is certainly the first time that superhero movies were taken seriously enough to demand those kinds of visuals. Mm-hmm. So, um, sound.
0: Ooh.
1: Are we jumping the sound? Okay, so so uh, so sound. Um, yeah. So first of all, just something that we have to acknowledge. We just have to talk about it. John Williams is the man, right? <laughs> can we just can we just all take a moment of silence and talk about how awesome. Wait, take a moment of silence and talk? I don't know. Let's just all take a moment and think about how awesome John Williams' score is for this show. Because if any time, at any point in time, you say to somebody like, yeah, like Superman, like, what's the music that they go dun dun dun, dun 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 dun? You know, like they, they know it. Like this is Superman's song. This is the Superman music. <try Beatles singing> like dude, people people do it even when they're not doing Superman. Just being heroic. This is the heroic soundtrack. It's amazing. You can't okay. Like literally the movie could be hot garbage aside from this one soundtrack, and you would have to acknowledge how awesome and iconic the soundtrack is. Oh yeah. No, the Superman theme is, like, God. No, 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 you're good. The Superman theme (laughs) is, most importantly, because, like you said, the, the thing that I think that you said is the most telling is the Superman theme. Because, as we said, there have been Superman movies before, and there have been movies after, but there is the Superman theme. And it is the it's the theme from this movie, man. It's, that's the Superman theme. You cannot argue with the music of this movie. It is, it is infallible.
0: This is true. I couldn't, not to pick on the more modern movies, but I have a feeling we're going to pick on the modern movies a lot. I could not tell you what Superman's music is from Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. Like it, sure. it was so muddy, it doesn't stick out in my mind. But every time Superman was doing Superman things, the music suddenly became the Superman music. And you were yeah. very aware of it, but not in a bad way. It just, like, you could feel yourself getting really excited. And you're like, wait, why am I getting so pumped up? Like, yeah, I know this guy's doing cool things, but I watch, I watch superhero movies every day because at this point they basically release superhero movies every day. But like, just that, Oh, God. Just all the... Yeah. Everything. I'm not- the
1: Superman. The Superman. And actually, because they, they play it at the very beginning during the credits, which last forever, <laughs> which is another one of my complaints. Is it lasted for like... I was like, oh, good. The credits. So I got up. I went and made myself a sandwich. I made myself a drink. I came back. Sat down. I said, oh, it's still happening. I went out. I walked my dog. I paid my taxes. I bought a house. I lived to be a ripe old age of 80, and I came back, and we watched the rest of the movie. So it's fine. The, the opening crawl is a little slow, but that being said, to be fair, the Superman music was playing the whole time. So I was like, I Super wasn't like worried about it because I just <laughs> wanted to have more of that. And then they very judiciously don't really play it again in earnest until Superman is Superman. You know, they hint on it. So like they drive home, they're like, hey, this is a amazing music. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they're like, okay, now a little, a little hint, you know, like when, when Superman's like leaving Krypton, like a little bit, a little bit. It's okay. Get a touch. But then when Superman, Superman, you're like, oh yeah, I get that sweet, sweet Superman music. But you only, again, you only get a little bit. But then when Superman's saving people, you get the whole thing, and it's amazing.
0: When I I made a note, and now I can't find it, but we hear the Superman music when the first time we see him. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if it's the first time we see Superman or if this happens later, because for some reason this is lost. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. you you get it when he's first Superman. When he's first Superman,
0: but there's a part, I think, later in the movie where Clark Kent is clearly about to go be Superman again. And he looks at like a phone booth and the music yes. starts playing and you just are like, well, I wonder what's
1: going to happen next. No, that was the OG Deadpool, like looking at a telephone booth and being like, cause he, cause he does. He like runs, he runs forward. Looks at the telephone booth? And like shakes his head. Like, obviously this isn't enough cover. Clearly this is inferior. And then he moves on. And that was like a, a that was the, like, OG fourth wall break wink to the audience is like, nah, we get you. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be a little bit more realistic. But, nah, shorty, we're there for you.
0: That's good stuff. Um, other than, like, the theme in and of itself, one of the other music things that I had was, okay, so Clark Kent, grows up, knowing that he's different from all the other kids, because he can bench press a train and
1: mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not until he finds that green crystal mm-hmm. that he knows that he's, like, an alien and finds the ship and goes and does all that. To his, I mean, he knows, his own he, he knows
1: he's, to like, superior, but at that point, like, I think that, because at that point, like, because he has his family structure up until then, where they're, right. like, no, you're cool, like you're different, but you're here for a reason, you're superhuman, and all this sort of stuff. And it's at that point where he's like, maybe more than that.
0: Right. But so, okay, so he finds this crystal, which is the key to him sort of unlocking his true self, like figuring out who he really is. But the music during that mm-hmm. scene is super ominous. I don't know if you noticed that. No, no, no. <laughs> I know you've been like that though right? So I watch a lot of horror movies. That is something that I love. It's a genre yeah. I really love. I think horror is amazing. We can talk about that some other time when people who don't care are listening. Um, but so he gets that and it's like, it's very horror movie music. Like, I found myself automatically being like, oh, Oh, is, there, is something about to happen that I do not remember? Like, is something bad about to happen? Ooh. You're terrible.
1: You're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the worst kind of person. Hey, uh, by the way, um, if anybody wants to hear Aaron and I uh, sludge through terrible horror movies, you know, just uh, upvote this video, um, follow us and join on Patreon, and uh, we will do that. For you, the listeners, go on. But
0: uh, that was really it. Is I, I
1: don't know why it was so ominous. It was weird. Ooh-wee. Okay. <laughs> Stop so, it. Why? no, I just Stop because it. because because we have to bookmark the chapters, and now this chapter will be bookmarked by. Ooh-wee. Okay. So so normally we would talk about like you know game mechanics things like that, um, but we're going to talk about like plot all that all that hotness and now is i think the time for us to talk about metropolis versus oh, new york
0: yes okay thank god so this entire All right. so this is i actually just watched a great video about this um about how the dc universe likes to sort of have its cake and eat it too where it's yeah. like oh no we're totally set in a totally different version of earth and isn't there a comic book where they actually find our version of earth at some point
1: i don't know probably i'm not a doctor but yes.
0: You're failing me, but anyway. So, (laughs) (laughs) like, why do I even keep you around? Because you can't remember things like that. I'm
1: so so pretty. That's why.
0: That is true. I am the
1: prettiest. That is
0: your most admirable
1: quality. That is my only admirable quality. (laughs) Go on.
0: So, okay. So, the DC comics are like, listen. Everything significant happens in made-up cities. That way we don't have to deal with real-world consequences. But we can still have fun references to real-world things. And, like, literally, it's it's having your cake and eating it, too. So it's not like we're not in New York. We're in Metropolis. It's not New York. It's a totally different city than New York. Except that they clearly shot it in New York City and just used B-roll footage of New York City. And it's everything about it is New York. Except that and, they keep calling it Metropolis. Like, I feel
1: like a crazy person. Okay, so first of all, you are a crazy person, but you're not wrong. So, <laughs> the reason why I wanted to leave this out until, like, plot and stuff is because, you know, the visuals of are of any metropolitan city. Like, that is okay. But, and I didn't even notice this until you started, like, like like picking at the scab, which well, was, like, because there's that one say, part you know oh, yeah, you just got to go down to New Jersey. It's about two-hour drive. And you, like, looked at me like, two-hour drive? Sounds like they're in New York.
0: Well, and there's the part where they're at a train station. It's like, next train leaving for Buffalo. I'm like, Buffalo, New York.
1: You mean Buffalo, New York? And, like, there was at least half a dozen times where you, like, called that out to me. And I was like, yeah, no, that's legit. That's legit. And then there's the part where Superman and Lois are flying through the sky. And they were like, and Lois has like this like super weird internal monologue. And that's fine. But but like the whole time you've been priming me, you've been priming me the whole time where you're like, oh, yeah, like, but it's totally not, you New York. And I was like, they're, they're flying around the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> They're flying around the statue. It's, but it's not New York. It's New
0: York. (laughs) The best part about that is I've gotten so desensitized to it at that point that I think my brain was just automatically like, yeah, no, forget it. They're in New York. So when you're like, oh, hey, statue, uh, statue of liberty, I was like, yeah, of course it's the statue. No, they're metropolis. (laughs) (laughs) I got you, movie. I got you. I knew it. I knew you were going to mess up big time. You were in New York. He, ugh. No, it's New York. It's
1: it's for, it's it's New York. It's fine. I mean, I gotta say, it's Metropolis, but it's totally New York. But yeah, mm-hmm. man. Other plot stuff. What you got?
0: There's what? so much plot stuff to talk about. But since you brought so it up, I have
1: I have two significant plot items. Um, but I want to I want to I want to hang on to them. So it's your it's your go.
0: Well, since you brought it up, we can talk about Lois Lane's weird, <gasps> like romance novel internal dialogue when she's flying around with Superman where she's all like, Oh gee, does he like me? I hope he does. We're flying through the air. Is this what you feel like all the time? And they also like dress her in that super girly gown, even though she's mostly wearing like very, very business like I mean at one point she's like yeah. wearing a tie in the office and she wears like these like faux button down like outfits and, you know, trousers, just like marching around being really awesome and businessman. And then in this one random scene, she's just in this like diaphinous, flowy gown, like thinking to herself, like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna slip in a note. It's just got two little check marks check boxes and it's gonna say yes and no. And I'm just gonna say, Do you like me? Like that's what it felt like. I'm like, why is Lois yeah. Lane suddenly a thirteen year old? who doesn't know how to handle their
1: feelings. No, to be fair, though, like watching that scene where she's like, do you eat? Is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Like, that's what, what, you what do say. you
0: want him to eat, Lois?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, dude. I mean, she, she is, to be fair, she is 100% an Eskimo for Superman.
0: I mean, she literally asked him... Can you see through anything? And then her super professional reporter follow-up question is, "Then what color is my underwear?" That is a line says, that made it into this movie.
1: Yes, and then he says, "I'm sorry, I can't see through lead." And then later on, he goes, "Pink." What? Pink.
0: And then yeah. she's all embarrassed and flustered. I'm like, "Girl, like you need to hide it a little bit, okay? Like second no, date, I at mean, least.
1: Come on." Again, you know, like I'm not, I'm not. You know, I'm just saying that I have never been in the presence of somebody who could lift a mountain or, you know, like, like, I'm just saying that it's just, it's not okay. So, okay.
0: If Superman was real and you met him in real life, would one of your first four questions to him be, What color is my underwear?
1: No, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's very, it's very complex and confusing. I don't know. Like, it's, but it's complex and confusing. And that's the thing, you know? Like I'm okay with it being complex and confusing, but what what isn't complex and confusing is the awesome thing that they do with the I want to say the visuals, but it's not visuals, it's the the amazing, immaculate acting of Christopher oh. Reeves. Christopher when he Reeves comes back as Clark Kent.
0: Oh, Christopher Reeves sells that. That is like and, and here's the thing. So with the nostalgia I was going back to that, I didn't remember a lot about the movie. I remembered that scene
1: yes. perfectly
0: because it is Ugh. so just, Oh God, he does such an incredible acting job. Really he he
1: was man. Cause he did a great job as Superman. So basically he comes. So after like, you know, the whole flitty monologue of like, Oh my God, I'm so into Superman. Superman's the best. And he like lands her down. He's like, okay, gotta go by. And then Clark Kent Comes in, he's like, Oh, hey, Lois, um, or uh, you said we were gonna go to dinner and blah blah blah. And she's like, Oh no, I gotta just go get ready. And she's still completely starstruck by Superman, right? And then you see, you know, him go like, you see him like kind of contemplate the idea of like telling her like who he is really he, is.
0: He takes off, so you yes. know, he's got his little weebish glasses on and everything. And he's mm-hmm. all in his little Clark Kent awkward, I'm a tall man who hates being tall, hunched over pose. And then he watches Lois go into the other room, takes off his glasses and just straightens up. And that's it. Like that's the only thing he does, but all it takes is those two gestures and he becomes literally a different
1: person. And and the one, the one other thing he does, which is he changes his voice. And we knew that he changed his voice because the, the, because we were watching it with the subtitles on. Remember that? I
0: remember.
1: I said, Superman voice. Lois, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, actually, you you do need that change, you know. So it's like, yeah, but like, like literally, he's like, oh, uh, Lois, I blah, 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 blah. and then it's like, like literally, with the change of his posture, taking off the glasses, and changing the voice, he became Superman, and he wasn't wearing the suit; he just was Superman, and that's just that's just all that's just Christopher Reeves all the way down.
0: Christopher Reeves as as Superman as Clark Kent does an incredible job because there's a bunch of different little scenes that they intersperse throughout the movie of Clark Kent like over the top being Clark Kent like what Superman imagines the average guy to be like so like in his interview for the Daily Planet there's a part where the not Jay Jonah Jameson oh god not get me pictures of Spider Man. What's the name of the guy who runs the door? <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> no, it's
1: just no. J. Jonah Jameson.
0: No, that's the Spider Man.
1: Perry White, you animal! I... I mean, it's, it's, it's J. Jonah Jameson. Anyway, so J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> hands says, him I a I want a picture of Superman.
0: <laughs> I want a picture of Superman and open this soda can for me or this soda pop for me because that's apparently what they did in job interviews in the seventies. <laughs> like, okay, anyway, so Clark Kent, like goes to open it and then like you see him stop and go oh wait would the average guy be able to open this can i don't know i better play it safe and he like struggles dramatically to open the soda and eventually lois has to get it open for
1: him yes love it (laughs) love everything about it it's great so there are two things that i just i just i just need I need to touch on about this movie and unfortunately, um, one of them has to be juxtaposed against the newest of movies, um, Man of Steel. Right. I, I, I hate to bring um, garbage into a nice household, but we got to do it. If for no other reason than for the amazing juxtaposition. So um, we had to first address the fact that uh, Pa Kent in the comics is alive. hmm. Okay. So unlike with Spider-Man, Pa Kent doesn't have to die, right? He can die. He doesn't have to die, right? So that means if you make Pa Kent die, which is entirely fine, um, it's a it's a it's a legitimate decision, is the decision that you as the storyteller are making. And again, that's entirely fine. But let's juxtapose the way those two decisions are made. So let's 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 look at uh I don't know. Let's look at Man of Steel. So how does Paw Kent die in Man of Steel? Glazer, you want to fill in the blanks?
0: There's a tornado, and they left their dog in the car or something stupid. And even though Paw Kent's like, you're not allowed to use your powers to save people, he's like, you know what I should do? Go sacrifice myself to save this dog. Which, to be fair, I understand his reasoning. stops. We don't deserve dogs. Dogs are the best. But so he goes to save the dog, and the tornado moves closer, and he sees Clark start to come towards him as if he's going to use his powers to save him, and he just holds out his hand. And he's like, no, like the tornado's
1: nah. to And just gets nah, carried
0: away for reasons.
1: Right. And then later battered to death by the random other things thrown about by the tornado. Neat. So, um,. But the moral of the story is that, first of all, you have a human who's oddly okay with their immortality that I haven't seen generally. Um, but also, too, it is most importantly a thing. Like, if if Superman decided to, he could easily have saved Pod Kent, right? Yeah. He just, like, zipped in there, zipped out, right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't to save his identity, I guess. I don't know.
0: No, it was um, because it was his dad's dying wish that he not do it.
1: Right. Which he immediately refutes at sheer virtue of meeting reporter Lois Lane. I don't know. It's fine. But so so all that's fine. You, you you can definitely make arguments for the fact of like why that's meaningful. I disagree with all of them and you're terrible people, but you can make arguments for those. Um but then as you touched on before How does Pa Kent die in this movie? He dies of a heart attack, man. And I think that's so deeply important to the Superman story is that, is that Superman, it's not whether or not they I don't care whether, I didn't say they couldn't, I said you shouldn't, right? Literally, this is one of the few things that Superman can't save. He cannot save humanity against ourselves physically or philosophically. And we're framed it physically in the beginning because he literally can't save Pa Kent against himself. And then later on, the main struggle is him saving humanity against humanity. Not aliens against aliens it's humanity against humanity and the fact that like his in a bizarre way humanity is called into question it's checked by the fact that this person that he cared the most about like literally since he's been on this planet he's railing against the fact that all of these people don't understand him but from what we've seen there are two people that do his parents and one of the two pillars of his life he can't save because he just can't That's important. It's an important framing device. It's an important limiter of Superman's powers. Because it's not how strong he is. It's not how fast he moves. It's not about how hard he hits. It's about us as people. And I think that's super important.
0: Yeah, man. I
1: mean, I can't. I'm not going to disagree with that. And so, so, so to wrap all of that up, the moral of that story is that it's it's very important that you so the problem with Superman stories is that, as a general rule, they're framed as like, well, look at how strong he is, look at how fast he is, look at how much he can lift, and it's like, and that's all great, but that's not the point, you know, and
0: I, I, somehow,
1: back in the late seventies, this director understood the fact that Superman isn't about any of that. It's about, it's not about what he can do. It's about what he can't. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> brings us, I'm just going to keep yelling words at you. Um, that <laughs> brings us to the next thing, which is the climax of the movie, right? Which actually, so I, I knew that the, the thing that we had just talked about, I knew that for quite some time. I've been railing about it for some time, but while we were watching it, this was the one part of the movie where I was like, oh. <gasps> oh and there's more better and greater reveals right towards the end because um you know like we said as about uh, up until now like not whether or not superman can it's whether or not he should but then they actually put superman in a situation where he's doing everything he can he is literally disempowered by kryptonite against lex luther who has beaten him with his mind again lex luther didn't hit harder he just he just literally looked at Superman and said, congratulations, you played yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then Superman is basically, he's done, man. He's got a kryptonite necklace and he's literally drowning, right? All all that he has really done up at this point is given an interview with Lois Lane where he says he always tells the truth and he's trying his best to be the champion of truth, justice, and the American way. Right. That's basically what he's got going for him. What? Drowning in water in the thing that the literally the only thing that can kill him. Right.
0: Well, he, he he saves a bunch of people's lives too. Like that, that happened. He did, mm. he did do that. And he saved that cat from that tree that one time.
1: He did. He did. He's done all of these things, but realistically all of California is about to die and he's just going to end here alone drowning. Right. Lex Luthor has one. And it's almost like a side note. Lex Luthor passes by his gal Friday, having stated that there are two nuclear weapons, Superman, not just one. Even with you, with your great speed, could have caught one, but there are two. And there's one going for the objective, and there's another one going to some weird place in New Jersey. Who cares? Um And as Lex Luthor is walking by his secretary, um, she says, my mother lives in Hackensack, New Jersey, where the second bomb is going. And Lex Luthor impatiently looks at his watch, looks back at her, and shakes his head, not anymore, and moves on. Because realistically, the point was to beat a god and execute his plan, and he has accomplished all of that. He is a walking, talking pinnacle of everything we'd want to achieve. He has ripped Apollo from his chariot and he has won. But then Miss Tessmacher, who up until now has been framed as a ineffectual, lackluster subordinate to Lex Luthor, frees Superman because she makes him promise that He'll save New Jersey, Hackensack, New Jersey first. And she knows that he never tells a lie. And he agrees to it, knowing what the ramifications may be. So ultimately, the problem isn't that Superman is all powerful and Lex Luthor is trying to curtail it. The point isn't against People who are born human or born inhuman, the thing is that Superman is more human than Lex Luthor could ever hope to be because he tries to save everyone. And Lex Luthor could have won if he had just like a normal average human have remembered that one of his closest allies had family where he was literally about to destroy. It is humanity that saves the day, not Superman. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: sorry i mean i'm done monologuing you are can... you
0: are we good are you good i'm good all Right. slide dog you got me monologue
1: <laughs> yeah oh and, and and also too there's definite monologuing in this movie
0: oh uh, all lex luther does in the movie is monologue that's he it he does he gets no dialogue he only monologues
1: he does he does and there's um one other thing that we mentioned that we wanted to touch on, which was um the flying so fast that it reverts time thing.
0: oh are you are you gonna say the uh the head cannon that you found online
1: yeah, yeah yeah so so basically the idea is that so you see Superman like 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 just hammering it out like flying as fast as he can around the world, the world starts going backwards and it reverts time, and a lot of people have been like, well that wouldn't do that but the idea is that superman is traveling so fast that he is actually able to himself move through time and we are simply being given privy to the visuals of the earth also moving back in time relative to him so the idea is that he moves fast enough that he moves back in time not that he's spinning the earth backwards which would not revert time
0: Right. Well, and I, I like that when you said that, um, like, it just it makes so much more sense in the context of the movie, because there's that part then where he drops Jimmy off. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go save Lois. Lois is dead. So he goes up and he flies around the earth as fast as he can, goes back in time, comes back down. And then when Jimmy rejoins them, he's like, hey, man, like, you just left me on the road back there. What the heck? Which implies that, like you said, he's he literally... just goes back in time. So that there's a point where there's two Supermans on Earth concurrently, one who's saving everybody else, and one who goes and saves Lois.
1: Right. So he is literally in two places at once, Mm
0: -hmm. which makes
1: sense. Yeah. Which again isn't you know it it was non-standard at the time. We see way like 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 you know Back to the Future kind of thing. We see way more of that now. But uh, but yeah, no, I think it does hold up. So. Speaking of holding up...
0: Well, before we do that, okay. I I wanted to mention one more thing. Please, because you. we've sort of touched on it a couple times, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, they do a really good job of creating interesting foils for Superman mm. in this movie. So I specifically want to talk about the way they use Lois and the way they use Lex Luthor. Mm. Because Clark Kent, who we mostly see with Lois, still is a part of Superman. It's a, it's not the complete package, but it still represents his idealism, his almost naivete, like the way that he thinks about the world and wants the world to be. And he can sort of get away with that mindset because he literally, he's literally invulnerable. So he never really has to deal with a more pragmatic view of humanity. Set off against Lois. Who's this like super, New Yorker type personality New York, it's not Metropolis it's set in New York God uh, but she's like the classic cynical hard-boiled reporter who's going to get mm-hmm. her story and works hard and has a very cynical view of the world and the way that the world works I mean the part where they get mugged in the alley she's the one who's mm-hmm. like no I'm going to fight this guy let's do this and Clark's like no like we don't have to we can talk our way out of it like we don't have to hurt anybody it's great like we'll figure this out and Lois is like no I'm going to kick him I'm going to kick him as hard as I can. And it's watching the way that she changes through her interactions with him, it does a really good job of also giving us a part of why Superman is so important. Not necessarily as a hero, but as a symbol. Because you see this very, very cynical personality become less cynical and a little more idealistic because of her interactions with him. hmm that the, during their interview, before she asks him what color her underwear is, she asks sure. him, like, what What are you all about? What's your shtick? And he gives the, I stand for truth, justice, and the American way, statements. And she literally laughs in his face.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous.
0: And then she realizes he's serious. And, like, kind of sobers up a little bit. And it makes her stop and think. And I, I love that, because it's so easy to fall into those really cynical perspectives of, like, the world is just messed up, and everything is awful, and there's nothing we can do about that. Like, I can't do anything about these systematic problems in the world. They're just a fact of life. And Superman, as a symbol, as a character, is there to show us that if we still believe we can make a change, we can do that. Like, he is sort of the pinnacle of that, because he has strength and speed and all this other stuff, but... That's what makes him so powerful, ultimately, is his fervent belief in the goodness that's inherent in humanity. And we watch that change Lois as a character over the course of the movie, which is awesome. And then on the flip side of that, we have Lex, who, like you said, like their whole thing is their relationship to humanity. So Clark, well, Kal-El, Superman, all he really wants is to find a place among humanity. He doesn't want to set himself above it. He wants to help. He wants to Mm -hmm. be a productive part of society. Lex, on the other hand, all he wants is to grandstand and be given power and superiority over others. Right. And so through their interactions, you're sort of ultimately setting up a fight between those two different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Like, which is is better? Which is going to win out in the end? This, like, egomaniacal narcissism. Versus this fervent belief that humanity is good, and that if we work hard and work together, we're going to make this great change and create a great society. And that's what makes the story so satisfying. Is you not necessarily because like, oh, the stronger guy totally won. It's because right. the, the guy symbol
1: who hit harder hit harder.
0: Right. It's not that. It's <laughs> I'm a music mad. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a right. symbol of all that we want to believe in all the best parts of humanity, winning out against all the worst parts of humanity. That's what makes right. it a good struggle. And that's what makes it a good movie. And they did a really good job of setting all of those points up with his relationship to Lois and Max. That's it. We can move on now.
1: No, no, no that's legit. No, I, I, I agree completely. Like, I think that, um, I think that again, you know, it's just, just the idea that Superman. So, so one of the things that, um, you know, the DC, DC has like pinnacally powerful heroes and Marvel has way more relatable heroes and all of that's great. And I think that's ultimately why Marvel is more successful is because they have more relatable heroes, which makes it very easier to tell stories. Right. But I think that, that in the attempt to make Superman more relatable, you rob Superman of what he's supposed to be, which is the ideal that we strive for, you know, I shouldn't feel like I am Superman. I should always want to be Superman, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the big difference between Henry Cavill's Superman, you know, where it's like, oh, well, he's dark and brooding and he has things going on. It's like, yeah, no, I, I get all of that. I mean, I can't lift a truck, but I get all of that. Versus Christopher Reeve's Superman where I'm like, wait, but what if, what if I just always tried to be that, knowing that I would never get there, knowing I would never be as strong or as fast or as smart or as capable or as understanding or as empathetic, knowing that I would never have all of those abilities? What if I just, just tried all the time to get there? And that's ultimately what I think that, uh, not to get too deep, where I think that um, the current DCU has robbed people, which is that they've robbed them of an ideal for the sake of movies like i had that ideal my entire childhood which was to be this thing that you can't be but it gave you something to strive for and and so that's where i think that um it, it, batman is the same way green lanterns the same way the flash the same way where it's like don't don't make them like people make them ideals and let's all strive for those it makes it way harder to write for it but you know write a little bit harder
0: well, and I think the the modern, in terms of modern DC movies, the one that's come the closest to that was Wonder Woman, which yes. is hugely successful because, yes. in a lot of ways, that's what she was in that movie. She was an ideal, more mm-hmm. so than a character. Like none of us are ever going to look that good, be that strong, be that Walk incredibly out onto passionate,
1: a battlefield and win. But yeah. but it was oh my god, it was so good.
0: But you can see in her interactions with all the other characters, particularly her little group of people who are all very messed up in very different ways, by believing so strong. I mean, one of my favorite parts of the new Wonder Woman movie is the part when Charlie, the sniper who has super PTSD and just can't kill people anymore, when he tries to leave because he's no use to them anymore. And her response is, but Charlie, who will sing to us? Like, that's what makes Wonder Woman really, really incredible as a character, is she believes in people. It's not like, no, Charlie, like, you can still do, help, like, helpful things. You can still, you know, like, scout it out and, like, keep an eye out for us and watch our backs, which she does throughout the rest of the movie. It's, no, no, no. You're, like, you have an important part of you that we would be lost without. And it's not about what you can do. It's about what you are. And, like, tying it back, Superman has the same... Thin. He has the same sort of idealism and faith in people that makes him mm-hmm. really powerful, and that's what makes the characters interesting and yes. heroes. Like I can watch anybody punch anybody. Like just yes. go on to YouTube and pull up like a UFC fight, like yeah, whatever. That's not interesting. What's interesting is watching people be heroes in other
1: ways. Watching humans be heroes. Yeah, because it's not a virtue of how hard you can punch. It's. It's a factor of so many other things. And actually now that you're talking about it, um, I don't think uh that um Henry Cavill is our generation Superman. I think that Steven Universe is.
0: Oh, I was I thought you were gonna say Gal Doe and now I'm really sad.
1: No, no, no. no I no, mean no. I love
0: Steven Universe, so maybe
1: you're wrong. No, no, no. But
0: that, I was like, Yeah, I, man, I, I Wonder
1: I Woman Gen- is, is our new <laughs> Wonder, I've only seen really Wonder Woman in the Wonder Woman, and that's amazing. That, that was an amazing movie. I Loved it, loved everything about it. The only thing I didn't like about the movie was um, Ares with a mustache. I just couldn't get on board with it. That was literally my only complaint. Everything else was tens across the board. I had one, that that was the low point, was a mustache. So that means it's like a 9.9995. All but that in, being said. But
0: in terms of male characters, yes, Steven Universe is, oh, is the modern Yeah.
1: No. I mean, the, yeah, I feel like the, the, the Superman hero, hero is is changing dramatically. But what I do recommend is that all of our um, listeners, you know, dive into that for their own. But what we now have to do is ask the question. Did the movie hold up?
0: So the pacing I struggled with a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I'll give you that. It is
0: very slow because it, it is a two and a half hour movie. Two and a half hour long mm-hmm. movie. Which is about on par with like the modern Superman movies. But this one felt like it dragged in certain places in a way that modern movies don't always. And I know that that's just different. It's like it's just different times.
1: It's like what's the one Um, House on the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie. You know? You're like that movie's amazing. Probably could have been like 50 minutes shorter though. (laughs)
0: But other than that, yes, Christopher Reeves is incredible and just such a talented actor. And I and I enjoyed every minute he was on screen. Every single minute that he was on screen. It was a fun movie. The bad guys were super campy and enjoyable in a way that I think comic book movies should embrace a little bit more than they do. Lois was awesome. Yeah. No, I loved it. I thought it held up very, very well.
1: No, I, I I could not agree more. Um, you know, and again, I walked into this with the rosiest of glasses, but I was like, no, 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 no. We're gonna take those off. We're gonna watch this as much as it's gonna break me. But honestly, like I couldn't I wanted to dig at it, and like you said, like, you know, the the, the pacing was not great. The opening was weird and janky. Um, you know, there were there were a number of places where I've been like, ah, you know, this could have been done a little bit differently. The special effects were Actually, honestly, stellar for the time, and actually held up pretty well. Honestly, especially
0: but, him flying.
1: Yes, dude, dude. Christopher Reeves knows how to fly against a blue screen. You just watch him do it. You watch him do it. It's amazing. It's great. But anyway,s no, I mean, like it's 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 it it all held up surprisingly well. But honestly, I think that the overall heart of the movie is a thing that. Held up the most for me, which was just you know the, the the message, the idea that it's like no 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 no, it's it's humanity that holds out. It's not how hard you can hit. It's not how strong you are. It's how human you are. It's the connections that you make. It's 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 living for truth, justice, and the American way. The American way being, you know, give us your tired, your hungry, your wretched masses yearning to be free. I think that. This movie just it, it portrays Superman as a Boy Scout in a way that makes you want to be a Boy Scout. And uh, honestly, I, uh, if you're if you're if you're looking at like I want to watch a Superman movie, right? And you have all the Superman movies laid beside you, dude, watch it and watch this one. Don't watch Man of Steel. Man of Steel is hot garbage. Like I, you know. Don't, don't watch that one. Just watch this one. It's good. It's good. It's good. I mean, to be fair, I have always considered myself to be, you know, like, I have always aspired to be Superman. To be fair, though, I don't think, Aaron, we've ever had this discussion. D- DC Universe specifically. I mean, who's your hero? Well, I don't know.
0: I like General Leia. General Leia
1: Organa. I'm into that. From, wait. Wait. What? No. N- no, DC, DC. I don't understand
0: what why you're having trouble with this.
1: No, okay, 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 no, no, no. It is not important to me that you know that what you said is not, it's not DC Universe, right? You know that, right? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't count. Is it not? Right? No, look, 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 are we feuding? Are we? We, we No, we are, we are now feuding.
2: The curtain falls. The music plays The credits roll Then it all fades to black And you're left by yourself The fanfare is gone There's no player two There by your side to share victories won But as you slowly progress Down the hall to your bed Few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land, battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand, your memories creeping with the end of a smile. Much less On how you saved the day